Welcome to Let's Humanize the Workplace. My name is Vivian Aqua and I'm the Inclusive Workplace Wellness Advocate. If you have missed yesterday's episode, please look back because yesterday was very inspiring. We added some salt, we added a lot of hot sauce and also some spices when it comes to seeing DEI or not seeing DEI, not hearing DEI or not speaking of DEI. So please watch the episode of yesterday and I can guarantee that you feel enlightened as well. To warm up for today's conversation, I do need to share something challenging with you. So I noticed this article about, do you want to make your company more diverse? Consider quitting. So this is a, this is a, this is an article for the leaders, for the self-leaders, and I'm not going to, this is not about you trolling and sending hate messages regarding, no, I shouldn't quit. Wait until we have that conversation and then have a constructive conversation with us about what we are sharing as well. But I do need to read some part of this article. So if you want to read this article or look for this article yourself, I added a link to it. So it's dot my-bye. So you can go to that link yourself. And I'm going to read some part of it. So instead, in 2021, organizations will have to ask themselves awkward questions. Why, for example, have they gone decades without hiring Black people, particularly if they are based in a diverse city? Hmm. Companies in Amsterdam? Hmm. Companies in the UK or in London. Hmm. So do they actively look for recruit people of color or people of dot, 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 dot? What is the experience of people of color in their organizations? Company will, companies will also have to make significant changes to demonstrate their commitment to diversity, which will include people in power, stepping aside to make space for more minority representation. So look at the example that Alexis Ohanian did, right? Alexis Ohanian stepped down from his board seat, gave up his board seat for somebody else to take over. And for those of you who don't know that Alexis Ohanian was also one of my main inspirations for Amplify DEI. So um, to me, he's a role model of role modeling the way a leader should be making more space, but there are different ways to make more space. So with no further ado, I am going to bring up my guests of today, Leaders Time to Create More Space. So I'm going to bring Garrett up. Yes. And I'm going to share their bio as well. So Garrett Jones is focused is in people tech sector, architecting, and developing new technology and solutions in predicting human potential and talent analytics. Wow, that's a tongue breaker. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Ruben Brava has been a key figure in directing the focus of multiple organizations towards the internet, open source technologies, and the integration of both. Mike Stipple Jr. is the CEO of the Talent Magnet Institute and an organization that provides leaders with tools, resources, and support to develop a holistic approach to leadership. And last but not least, Chantel Brandt-Lazen is an organization development specialist who supports leaders in business optimization, which results in improvement in performance and revenue generation. Thank you all. Thank you for joining today's conversation. And let's start with the first question. So, Garrett, why do we need to humanize the virtual workplace? Um, I th well, I think there's two jobs to be done. One is uh, ultimately we need to humanize the workplace anyway. And I mm -hmm. think that the, the, the push towards virtual has made us really question that and move that agenda on. Uh, probably 25 years, you know, it's, it's, a, it's accelerated incredibly. But we also have got to be mindful, I think, that one of the challenges of uh, where we are right now, it's an unusual situation that's pushed us there. So we're kind of all just working from home. And that's not ultimately what freedom to work or freedom in terms of choice around work could mean. For some people, obviously, there are some people who can't. 
And I think we've got to get, when we think about old design and an old style business versus a new style business, I think we have to work harder at the old design, especially well, once we're past COVID, especially when we're flexible working. And the challenge with having plenty of time to yourself is that you get great amounts of time to work on focus work, but mm -hmm. you also have a lot of time to overthink. And I think we need to build interactions and we need to think about doing that from a much more human perspective in work, whether that be virtual or not, because we need that distraction. We need that engagement with our you know, fellow human beings. Thank you for sharing. And Chantelle? I'm going to uh, echo Gareth, but be very pumped. It's we just need to humanize workplaces. <laughs> For yeah. me, it has nothing to do with the, you know, the virtual, the dehumanization happened a long time um, before COVID. Uh, mm -hmm. Therefore, we need to address dehumanization. Um, what COVID has brought forward is really um, what reality do we want to go back into, about, go back out to? Um, and I think a lot of us want to go back out into a better world and it's brought focus on what we do want for ourselves, what we do want for our employees, our workplaces, for humanity and for the environment. So nothing to do with virtual for me, all about what we want for the world. Love that. Thank you. And Mike? I think we all agree that we are in a... Your, your voice is very soft. Is that um, for everybody else like that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can you move the mic a little bit uh, closer to you? Yep, I will do that. You want to come back to me? It's better. It's better, it's better. It's better now. It's better now. Good, good. <laughs> that sound okay? Yeah, perfect. Um, you know, so we talk a lot about DEI and belonging and, you know, human, like we're all walking into this world where we've seen one another's personal lives like never before coming out mm -hmm. of the last 12 months. And, and, you know, I ask, why not? Why haven't we done this? And we are, all of those listening, those on this panel, we are the leaders that we want tomorrow, right? We can be and create the change. Look how much change we've all had to navigate through over the past year, right? Yeah. And we've done it, and we did it without thinking in some cases in March 2020. Mm -hmm. um, so let's do it now. Because if we don't do it now, if we don't take actions, if we don't get everybody moving forward, we're going to be talking about the same story 15 years from now. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Ruben. Yeah, so well, I'm, I'm coming from the uh, innovation entrepreneurship space. So um, as a serial tech entrepreneur, I uh, talk a lot with young people, millennials call them, Generation X, Generation Y. I know what generation they're marked at. But um, I, I, I do see that a lot of this new generation feel that they need to find meaning in what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, for that, I, I definitely it's important to humanize the workplace because people are not only working for money or making a living, but they uh, want to see a feedback loop through their, through their daily activities that has meaning to them, um, a deeper meaning than only uh, making money. Yeah. And it's also, it also uh, to piggyback on what you shared, it also results in for them to understand why diversity, why equity and why inclusion matters the most for them. I have seen the Generation Z, but also the millennials advocating in a way that I thought, whoa, what are you doing? What are you teaching me? I wish I had their, their oomph, their stamina. Although uh, I know that if they keep up the same stamina, it won't be, you know, it, it won't make them resilient. But then in a way, they empower me to keep up with that same power as well. Yeah. But coming towards the first, the next question. So, Chantel, I want you to challenge leaders with an action to make space. What will that challenge be? So there's a couple of things. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm going to be bold and say leaders need to actually stop doing the same old stuff because <laughs> you're not going to achieve, um, you know, anything. Um, 
when they think of creating spaces, um, well, the first thing they think about DNI is okay. You know, what's the what's the model of diversity? How can we, uh, you know, teach people on unconscious bias? Let's run a workshop. Um, actually, it's not going to make a damn piece of difference. Um, you know, when we look at that, just that piece. When we want to create spaces, um, the key thing is about what's your in your intent and I think it was Gareth that mentioned the word belonging um, mm -hmm. or, or, or I think it was Gareth so you need to to focus on your intent and if you're if you want to create space for other people they need to be able to belong then you have that conversation um, with your team your leadership team to say what does that mean that we need to do differently well how does that mean that we need to behave and are we committed to that and actually, if the team's not, don't bother doing it, <laughs> because again, you know, you're 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 just not going to um, achieve that. Because actually, you will need to be committed to that if to hold accountability to people. Exactly. So I would say, create space. You need to have transparency about what does that actually mean that we're asking people to do, and are we willing to take the actions through if that doesn't? And you know, you were saying like, does that mean that um, actually I'm going to give up my seat on the board? to give other people space on the board mm. does that mean that think about i'm thinking about the netflix example that i'm going to commit 100 million over the next five years so that we don't just have actors and actresses but we have producers and technicians mm -hmm. and those people behind the scenes so these are like real commitments i actually think that these conversations need to happen um mm -hmm. and what you're willing to, to give up to create the space I want to make a, an extra add to what Chantelle is sharing. So she says accountability and transparency for the leaders that think that they can share or post that first before doing the work from the inside out. Stop doing that. That is performative, performative diversity. People will see that people will see through that start the work from the inside out and then share it then use it as your employer branding then do the other stuff instead of just posting it just for the clickbait or for the likes because we don't want that anymore correct mike yeah so there's two things and kind of double clicking on what you just referenced like it starts with you right mm -hmm. so um our hearts have to change our minds have to change we have to start where you are. So we, you know, everyone in this room that's leading this conversation, um, you know, we're, we accept where you are, but don't stay there. You've been there too long. Let's keep moving forward and engage in discussions like this, create conversations like this. Um, the other component is you have to be willing to say, that one diverse leader in the room is not enough. And we love Chantel, your comments <laughs> of like giving up your spot. Um, yeah. You know, when you roll off, sometimes boards that you're on asks you to nominate someone else. Be very intentional with that gift that you've been given to bring diversity and to bring others into the board that haven't had a voice. Um, you know, the other dynamic, the real tactical challenge I put forth to all of us is look at your last 20 contacts. Who have you called? Who have you sent emails to? Um, and evaluate yourself, right? How, what are the lived experiences? What are the cultural differences of those that I normally interact with? And just try to engage differently tomorrow, show up differently tomorrow listen and look for the individuals who you're like, I know when we hired them, we hired them because of the energy they brought to the interview and yet they're quiet, right? Mm -hmm. um, how do you re-energize? How do you stoke the fire in talent throughout your organization that might feel marginalized, that might be wrestling with microaggressions that you can step in and be the one to help navigate them through that? Yeah. I totally get that. And also, it, you, you don't have to give up your board seats to, you know, create room. You can also, when you are invited to a manal, yes, I'm calling it out, the manals out there, invite somebody else who is who looks different than you, who can say similar things that you believe in. Invite your colleague, invite your coworker who can bring in 
the heap who can bring in the spices in those salty conversations because I'm done with manos. I'm done with manos. <laughs> Ruben. <laughs> yeah, you know, for me, it, it really resonates with the more broader uh, paradigm of servant, uh, servant leadership. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, leadership is not like being the boss, but it's like showing a direction that has value to the to a company, an organization and people working in this company. Um, and yeah, that basically means when you're actively uh, providing servant leadership is creating a safe space for people who might feel that they are different or that they might not belong there in some in some way. Um, because I'm convinced and some scientific uh, research also points to the, the direction is that creates uh, a neurological optimized environment uh, where people can become creative. Um, mm -hmm. And again, I'm coming from the innovation uh, uh, sphere. Um, it means that through this um, uh, safe space, you can uh, enable people to uh, provide different perspectives on things. And this definitely boosts innovation. Um, so, yeah, and through innovation, and if people see that they have agency in providing this uh, because of their uniqueness, um, yeah, that, that gives them the, the, the ability to add something meaningful to, to the world that is sustainable uh, and uh, yeah. possibly also serve the greater good. Yeah. That's Another ad that I wanted to share is that um, please look at the figures that of the people that are leaving your company. So if you have a high turnover, um, please tweak it down, look at the statistic, look where they're coming from, what are their backgrounds and ask them, ask them for their real reason of leaving the company. Because I know that when they are still working for the company, they have you know the, the other answer to share, but when they have left the company, they might give you some insights to do better next time. But don't forget your alumni, they can make and break your company because they will share, you know, don't work there, don't go there, or they will share the best company, but I wanted to grow elsewhere. That's also totally fine. Don't be afraid to look into your leaky pipeline, especially your leaky pipeline when it comes to people from different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Garrett. Yeah, I think the, um, you know, I think as a couple of people have said, for me, the fish rots from the head. So, you know, that's a, ultimately the, the, the leadership and the CEO, the visible, I suppose, leadership for getting shareholders and so on for now, but the board included, ultimately they have to, they have to change, I guess. That's the, the core thing. They have to create they have to create the environment so they have to step back and i think there's as that's how our conversation got going i think we mm -hmm. need to move beyond you know we're not going to brand and market our way out of it yeah and that's not good enough we're not going to train our way out of it with unconscious bias training we're not going to recruit our way out of it by just trying to as i often hear you know we just need more black candidates you know to to pick one you know immediate knee jerk reaction and I think for leaders, they need to just take a step back a bit, get out of the weeds, just you know, ask them some, some open questions. Why is this happening? Why, why do we have an environment like this? And a lot of it goes back to, as been mentioned before, I mean, Chantel, you mentioned about the world of work. You know, um, Ruben mentioned it too, how, how old this construct is and the parent-child relationship that we have at work and mm -hmm. this you know, move that we want to make or some people want us to make to something more adult. And I think that's what we crave for is more adult and authentic environment mm. where, and, and I think, you know, traditional leaders need to ask themselves, am I going to be good in that environment? Because it's a behavioral thing, right? It's what you value and what motivates you. So as a leader, if I'm super comfortable with hierarchy or I control everything and I'm happy to surround myself with people that look like me, how am I going to function? What do I need to do to function in a world where, Actually, I'm relinquishing some of that control. I'm creating opportunity and I'm going to, you know, hire and surround myself with people on merit. And, you know, and that's going to look very different. And for some, it might be perceived as a trade of opportunity. But I think leaders have got to take a much more adult approach to this stuff. Um, we need a new way of working. And I think that challenges a lot of the current leaders that we have personally. 
You mentioned something that was a good starting point for me to show this uh, show this image to explain the thought of merit. Yes, <laughs> to explain the thought of merit because apparently there are so many people out there. I'm not going to say only leaders, but there are so many people out there who think that the the merit mindset works because. Every person has the same equal opportunities and every person has the same backgrounds and every person looks the same. Well, mm -hmm. if you give everybody in this picture the same opportunity to climb the tree, mm -hmm. they some of them, the most of them won't go very far because they won't even be able to take one step because of the fact that you want them to climb a tree. Bring that back to the workplace. You want to create equal opportunities. You want to look at people the same way. You're treating them just as this image. It's it's a very childish image, but this is what's happening now in the workplace to make it more uh, concise of what's happening. And I want to ask the following question. How do you see the future of workplaces with the merit mindset? And I'll start with Ruben first. Ooh, um, that's <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, yeah, to me, to me that definitely relates to the um, uh, to the topic of uh, equity. So that you know everybody has um, a different uh, um, has had a different journey to uh, come to this point of inequality. And I mm -hmm. think there's um, this awareness and this consciousness on the the background and maybe also the struggle that people have gone through to come into this position that they currently are. I think this is crucial for uh, talent development. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's also crucial for network development because, you know, it's often the case that organizations grow through the networks that they already, that they already possess and that they already have access to. Um, and um, yeah, I think that um, um, increasing the consciousness of, um, everybody actually in the organization, but amplified through leadership. I think this is this is crucial to um, um, to, to break this, yeah, broken narrative of uh, of, of meritocracy. Yeah. So yeah, that Thank is my uh, my idea on that. Yeah. Before I forget the awesome card. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, going going to Mike. Yeah, so I think one of the things you see in that image that you put up is that there's at least one animal that has a great a privilege ahead of mm -hmm. all of the others to climb that tree, right? So, yeah. um, you know, I like to think that we, we try not to judge one another by the privilege you have, but how are you using it, right? Mm -hmm. Ruben, you referenced network. I mean, um, you know, being in the business that I'm in, I reference and I know that being a professional connector and investing in other people connects so many relationships to our brands, to our firm, to our people. And how are we using those connections to help others? Right. So, um, you know, with that image, it's a great example. I mean, you start thinking like the future of, of work place, um, is us leveraging what opportunities we have to support everyone around us and maybe change the rules. Maybe it's not just, you know, point A to point Z. Maybe there's a lot of dynamics in between that we've got to get personal and we've got to work with all of those individuals on our team. What if you created a place where your employees, all of your employees feel valued heard and understood. Vivian, you referenced ambassadors. The best way to create employees that exit your organization, that they still speak positively of you, is for you to be an ambassador for them when they're with you. What are we doing to support all of our employees? Because at the end of the day, they're the ones that really know your culture. They're living in your culture and experience. So we've got to think about how to personalize leadership. I don't know why it's so hard. I don't know why we've shunned away from it, but it's okay to know your team and to know how you can support them. And um, that's, that's my prayer and hope that uh, we're all carrying with us. Yeah, we need to, we need to redesign leadership. So the way that I, I 
I see traditional leadership dying. Sorry for those who believe in that, but I don't believe in traditional leadership. I want us to move towards inclusive leadership where you evolve. I'm going to use a Pokemon. My son will love it. But you evolve from uh, Charizard or you evolve from Chameleon to Charizard as the ultimate Pokemon that you can be. So let's become the Charizard version of the leadership as well. And you, Ruben and Mike, you both mentioned open up your networks. I love that. But knowing that people, some people have some barriers, right, from their past. Why not activate mentorship? Why not activate sponsorship? And why not support them within the company so that they can stay within the company and so that they can gain knowledge and grow knowledge within the company? Yeah, true. True, very true. 100% agree. I think a a lot of those relationship buildings, Vivian, can happen inside the company, right? You Mm -hmm. know the people who are the, you know, the right individuals to introduce talent to, to help them grow, who help you get to where you are. None of us got to where Mm -hmm. we are by ourselves. Exactly. Mm. It's funny. I think on the, the, when I started work, which is a long, long time ago, um, and I wouldn't say the organization I worked in was particularly diverse, but the focus was on opportunity, not recruitment. So, you know, it was, we was, you know, succession planning was key in the business. And, you know, we were looking for opportunity, people expected opportunities to grow within the organization. You know, this was 30 odd years ago. So it's, you know, it wouldn't score high on diversity now, but it was, we were much more of the mindset that opportunities exist in, a, in the organization. We should bring people in and allow them to grow in an organization. Um, and that existed, sort of coexisted with the sort of the hierarchical structure. And we've, deconstructed that quite a bit which i think is you know is um uh, from an organizational structure point of view i think is a good thing but i think from a an opportunity thing is an opportunity uh, perspective i think it's a bad thing you know when we when the paper of war for talent was written we we suddenly put our gun outside and we just thought right the answer to growing a great company is to hire external talent and we did a really mm-hmm. lousy job of hiring diverse talent so you know i think i think from a future perspective, um, making the most of what you have in your organization and, and adding to it is the focus. As Mike said, you know, you, th- those are the people that are running the business right now, create the opportunities internally. Yeah. Yeah. And I also like the fact that because what you shared of the opportunity factor, I, I do like that. And I, I've never seen that here in the Netherlands. And um, I do like that because it, w- it can also be a solution for the companies or for the leaders that are saying, I can't see, I can't see them or I can't hear them or I can't reach them. Hmm. When you open your doors and when you create opportunities for people to grow and develop and become the next leaders, that might solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Chantel. <laughs> I mean, the, the the merit mindset is like a minefield from my personal experience, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, from a, from an access level to a during the workplace level to a divisive level. From the access level, if we think about the future of work, we have, you know, a definite divide or a digital divide that we even see in COVID with people being able to access, children being able to access schools. Um, I'm on my second doctorate, but I'm lucky because, you know, doctorates depend on having a godfather or godparent. And unless you're in those circles, how do you even get access to that? Um, Switzerland is very nepotistic actually in terms of getting a job so so the access presumes the equal opportunity to even have access you know to to get those jobs during and you know in the workplace you know i've been in rooms and as a future work leader um i am not seen as the person that they can put in front of a client because of my color right um so i don't have the equal opportunities to even get those you know merit positions you know that would then I'm hired in so I access but I'm actually stopped from you know them being able to on a merit basis you know you know perform so I I find the the future uh, workplaces and the merit very challenging because 
it all depends on opportunity. Mm. And then you have those organizations which are very divisive, like I was saying, yeah. Oh, yes, you know, you're doing this, and there's this whole patronage of a you know, single senior figure um, that, that it can lead to the wrong you know, behaviors. Um, so, yeah, it assumes equity. And there is an equity, which we must demand. That's one of the changes that there just simply isn't equity. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so. But I, I hear you and I feel your challenge as well. Um, does it help to demand from companies to put a percentage on the commitment. So let's say that some companies are putting percentages on their commitment saying that at least 40% is, um, let's say the, the, the majority, uh, 40%, it has a different background or a diverse background and 20% is, has maybe a visible or invisible disability. Uh, don't pin me for the, for the ratio. There are some companies that are using different ratios to, make their commitment more valid or more transparent do we need that do we need to challenge companies with that it's really a valid dialogue to have i wish we had someone here on here from say south africa like how is that working right um mm -hmm. because there are come there are countries with that model um i know here we've had um the focus on gender Mm -hmm. uh, you know, on boards, and it's proven. You know, it, which it, gender work? Uh, so female. Just so, yeah. No, no, no. Be honest. Which gender? Which label of gender are we which talking label about? Of gender. There's been a whole campaign in Switzerland, which is well, okay. What we mean diversity is white female, but nothing mm -hmm. else. Um, yeah. So yeah, this is you know very much um, uh, from that perspective, which is a challenge, right? Because that's not diversity. There are, like you say, there's people of different abilities. There's LGBTQ. There's you know people from different ethnicities. Um, so if you would have asked the younger me, I would have said no, fighting this fight for yeah, a very long time. I'm actually more for it than against it, actually, yeah. because all of the other actions, we're still not there, you know, and we get very weak campaigns like, you know, let's challenge. I've gone past the challenge, let's do. Um, so so I'm actually more for, for than against it, but I would love to hear <laughs> from, uh, you know, Gareth and in, in, in where you see it. Um, I mean, I've wrestled with it and still do, um, but I guess for me, it goes back to intent. You know, you talked earlier, because I'm sure there are organizations that are growing the percentages who said they want to shift the dial. They are shifting the dial, but as quick as they can shift the dial back to your point, Vivian, their people are leaving and they might yeah. be making small gains, but those gains are hiding the fact that there's a hot, there's a, there's a much you know hotter engine going on in there. And I think it comes back to that focus on, I think we just have to come to terms with the fact that, um, this needs sorting out. And if we're not careful, you know, with, we're going to run into trouble. Leaders need to take a look in the mirror mm -hmm. and we need to face some hard truths, right? It's time to come to terms with the fact that we are perpetuating a situation and slowing down the ability to change it simply because of attitudes that we think probably don't appear, you know, don't apply to us. So when it comes to things like quotas and, you know, measurement, I'm all for measurement and I'm all for insight. So, you know, I kind of, kind of, I think I've come down like you, Chantel, on the side of, well, at least if we've got it, then we can see what's happening and, you know, mm -hmm. we can go below it. And PwC, they released theirs. And I thought theirs was interesting because on the headline level, they seem to be doing okay. But when they looked at opportunity, opportunity, the, you know, the distribution of opportunity, it was terrible, right? So, you, you know, the, on the, the headline is we're doing okay, but they said, yeah, but how do we distribute opportunity in this business? And they realized that, you know, there were no people of color running the big accounts, mm. you know, they weren't, et cetera. And, and there's you know, no, nobody, no, no person who's disabled running a major account. And I think that's the, that's the, um, the mindset we need to get in. So let's have the reporting, let's have the insight, but let's just take a step back and go back to actually, why is this happening? And let's remember not all countries can measure. So in Switzerland and Germany and some countries, you can't measure. So the only thing that's being measured is gender. 
we don't measure, you know, ethnicity here. So if you think about the salary uh, piece that's being done, all of the companies are running around looking at gen equal pay on gender. Nothing yeah. else so is even on the radar. Yeah. We should challenge the EU to make a general statement to give us, you know, give us some rulings so that we can measure the improvement. Is that what you're saying? Well, Switzerland isn't technically part of the EU, and it's well, bilateral agreement. <laughs> EU and Switzerland, then. Um, um, I think it's really so. I, I think self ID is something actually the positive thing I hear from companies that we work with is there is a push for it. And so yeah. their challenge, because unfortunately, what we measure, you know, does count. We have to understand why we're measuring it, right? Yeah. Um, there has to be an intent behind it, like they're actually going to do something with it. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, what we measure does count. And so these things means that we're going down the path of only you know, fixing equal pay in, in different metrics for some, you know, and not for all. But I think Gareth, you brought up a, a very, you know, important point, you know, in terms of the progress. So, yeah. Ruben. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm also struggling with it, to be honest. I think that when it when it concerns uh, organizations that have a lot of impact on society, um, I, I, I definitely um, am, am in favor of uh, quota, uh, quotas because, yeah, I believe that this also uh, says something about the accessibility, actually, of your organizations for people from different backgrounds. Uh, yeah. Because, yeah, it, it, it represents the company, so um, it should be like an invitation for people from all kinds of background to, um, to want to be hired, actually, at this organization. But when it comes down to the actual um, hiring of recruitment uh, process, um, I'm very much looking into value-based uh, recruitment because um, uh, even though people might come from a different background or look different, um, what binds a company is that they share the same value. And mm. if people don't have the chance to show that they share the value and they can be of value also, um, so they can add value to this to this company. Um, that of course would be that of course would be uh, you know, detrimental for uh, for DNI. Um, but when it concerns uh, quota on the uh, staffing from a staffing perspective, um, I, I I think I'm, I'm more looking to what what Garrett actually says about measuring it and maybe also investigating it and also what you mentioned, Vivian, what is happening with people who are um, going out uh, um, or exiting the company because that might signal um, a um, uh, yeah issues with regards to inclusivity. If people feel that mm -hmm. they have agency to contribute to the organization's culture, um, but again, you know, when it, when it concerns value-based uh, recruitment, um, it's not about you know where you're from or your difference, the, the the diversity. It's about what you actually share. Then. Um, so yeah, that are my two cents uh, <laughs> concerning those uh, the quotas. Yeah, yeah. I, I I like that, and also um, I noticed that when it comes to the work in DEI, a lot of emphasis is put on recruiting. But I want also want to say something about showing your love after the 180 days or after that year. So I mentioned something about renewing your vows or look at the relationship and and do something about that don't yeah. make it a, a black ip song where somebody's singing where's the love they need to know they need to know that you care and that you value their voice before they go look wow. outside because that happens when the love is gone that happens yeah, yeah. yeah. mike well, I, I love that statement that, again, we talk, I talked about, you know, checking ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. So don't, you know, if you look at the data, right, the data shows the more diverse our organizations are, the more creative we are, the lower the turnover, the higher the returns and workplace product, um, the better the ideas the um, more thoughtful that the whole company becomes towards its customers. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the data, it's like one, it's the right thing to do. Secondly, if you want a great organization, 
you need to make DEIMB a value, not an event, yeah. right? Because the I data backs and supports yeah. everything. Um, you know, Chantel, when you said that there were certain things that I certainly, gosh, I hope it's not going on now. I mean, you just said you have two doctorates. You have. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting with the second one. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and people aren't, and at some point you experienced in your career not being invited to take the seat at the table, right? Mm -hmm. And um, the other thing I would challenge those that are like, yep, that's the environment I've lived in my entire career. Yeah. Go find a company that values every single piece of you, mm -hmm. right? And everything you bring. There are companies that do and let the other ones fail, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're gonna get passed up by their competition. Talent are gonna stop knocking on their door at exactly. some time. And don't keep letting them succeed and treating you the way that you've been treated your entire career. So, you know, it's time to step out and go find the companies that want every piece of you, your mind, your creativity, your full engagement, um, and go invest in them. You don't need to yeah. be in the organizations that don't. This yeah. is not my current organization, by the way. <laughs> this can be for anybody, everybody who's in a similar situation. But I, I like the fact that you shared the data is there when it comes to diversity. But there is a but. And I, I know, I remember the conversations that I have with Ruben, where a lot of companies, they bring in diverse. You cannot be diverse. You cannot have diverse talent. That's another conversation. They bring in talent with diverse background and thinking that, check, that is going to solve that. You need to activate inclusion. You need to have processes in place to take care of the inclusion part. So just bringing the carrot and the ingredients for the carrot cake won't get you the carrot cake that you want to create. That's the best thing that you want to provide, right? So just having all these dry ingredients there, thinking that you're doing your best, no. You have to go and move beyond the needle and activate inclusion as well. That's right. Yeah, I heard someone share that if if being asked to the dance is mm -hmm. diversity, being asked to dance is inclusion, right? Involving your team, asking them, pushing them to yeah. the front, encouraging them to step into the front is absolute mission critical. Mm. Exactly. So yeah. we can look at the data, but if you are going to copy the data just because you want to create your data, not going to work, not going to work. So coming, coming to the last question, and I'll start with Garrett. What is your wish for 2025? I know I'm skipping 2021. We're going to 2025. What is your wish when it comes to humanizing the workplace and leaders moving the needle? So... Um... I, t I want to be upbeat. So yes, please do. That, uh, <laughs> uh, so I think we've got a. The, for me, the hope is that we have a big shift in leadership, and yeah. that we use COVID, if nothing else, but a uh, a validation that um, we've not done things because of our limited beliefs, not because they couldn't be done. And those there are so many of those in in the workforce. So you. Mike, you talked about the you know, evidence on diversity. That's been around for a long time, as has the evidence around having an engaged workforce and so on, and we're just not moving the dial. Um, and it's shocks to the system like COVID that make us think and push it. And you know, I'm, I'm hoping that that's reached the tipping point of enough evidence so that we can shift leaders, actually, so they can be braver, possibly, to take on a new organization model and stand up to their board and say, hey, we're going to be trying a new way of working in this business now. It's not going to look like what it has been before and take a step out. It really relies on the strong CEOs to make a change. And I hope for the future that they do because swapping those leaders out and changing them for ones that do on a capable, great idea, but it just take us too long, I think. So we won't get anywhere. So I think for me, that's one of the points of hope. And I think the second thing is that we invest so much more in our people. Mm -hmm. and I mean, what I mean by that is, you know, it's the poorly, it's the poor cousin of all the functions. And, you know, if we're going to create superb opportunity or we're going to create environments, I love the recipe analogy that you picked up there. Mm -hmm. Mix the ingredients, create that recipe. If we're going to do that, people individually need to know what they're capable of. 
And I see that as one of the biggest gaps in organizations, the way we allow people to flourish and make it clear to them what their value is. You know, it's kind of almost like a guarded secret. If somebody's got certain things, and we don't, I don't want them to leave my department. Or And there are people in an organization that have got skills that, that are unknown, right? Yeah. And they could be great. So I think, number one, let's invest in, in allowing people to understand what their capability is. And as organizations, let's... Um, let's make sure those capabilities are recognized, not undervalued and deconstruct the work, deconstruct the notion of a job and start to make it a bit more fluid, deconstruct the tree into something, you know, maybe there's another way to do that, right? Yeah. And turn the tree into something else so that yeah. we can, you know, get everybody engaged. It starts with intent. But so my hope is that that future is one where when you're in that organization, it's full of great stories because I remember, people who grew up in organizations and people who, who were given a chance when they you know, perhaps didn't have one before they tell fantastic stories when you're in an environment of inclusion and belonging and you you do something you transform yourself there's nothing like that story there's nothing like an organization it's built the best on. marketing that they can can have as a company Advocacy, yeah. right that's yeah. my wish for the future is that when you walk into or when you experience an organization not necessarily walk into the office of but when you experience that organization that culture transcends any office building or anything else and you feel that that yeah. you're those things i think that's been important for me so i'm hoping for good things in the next four years thank you chantelle be bold to cre create equity space where people can belong where people can belong um i'm going to be a bit pragmatic though <laughs> um in terms of um you talked um about being invited to the dance and people then you know being able to dance um my husband couldn't dance <laughs> he can now um uh, we, Ruben was talking about safe spaces, and yeah. in my experience of working in D and I, um, the safe space is yes for for Black people, for people of different um, uh, backgrounds. What I am experiencing is we also need to create safe spaces for people to process and have the curiosity, and for people to question and to change their beliefs. Yeah. So for me, this is about if I was a leader, I would also create that psychological safety, create that safe space so that by the time you get to 2025, you have the space where people can speak up. Um, you have the spaces of equity. So that's the pragmatic step of how to get there. You need to create that safe space for both so that we can create that bridge to, to equity. Thank you. Thank you. Mike. Mike. Yeah, so I um, echo everything that was shared. I also, too, want an environment. I want a world where people are taking individual views to leadership, that we're not trying mm -hmm. to put everyone into the same structures as Gareth shared. I think we need to personalize. We need to get back to really caring about the humans we employ and inviting others in and to ensuring that if we have a a system that's broken internally where you know the best place to look is your retention numbers and if you're constantly saying well we just can't employ people that are diverse you have a problem and i hope by 2025 people recognize oh my gosh we we have a problem that we should fix that we should invest in that we should spend time we should seek outside inputs um, and not just do exit interviews, but stay interviews. Like we need to be mm. understanding what's going on. And the only way we're going to get there is what Chantel referenced on, you know, a culture of, of safety and psychologically safe environments where when you ask how things are going, that we're living in a world in 2025 that we can actually share how what's actually going on, right? Um, versus just brushing it under a rug. So um, let's get more personal. Let's look at leadership as a one-to-one -one sport and mm -hmm. let's treat it as such. Yeah. Thank you. Ruben. Yeah, so um, yeah, of course, uh, everything that's been said resonates a lot with me. So uh, for me, I, I guess it's, it's um, I, I think we should um, learn how to be comfortable being uncomfortable um, because, you know, 
in this way um, we will find a way for people to yeah to 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 see them in their otherness and accept this otherness and embrace actually this otherness and uh, we've learned a lot in organizations but we've never really learned to uh, being uh, to, to deal with otherness and being uncomfortable mm -hmm. with that uh, but also the word stories uh, came up and i think that again with, with meaning recently i've investigating a lot um, on the um, uh, framework of Joseph Campbell, who studied all cultures of the world and all the stories that have been told in, in actually all of the world. And he found a, a, sort, a sort of framework, a, um, it's called the hero's journey. And through mm. the hero's journey, people are being challenged to go on an adventure, to face trials and tribulations and find their unique skills and find their unique powers, but also come back with the new insights and share this with the community that they came from. So I hope that new leaders will recognize the otherness in people and will encourage them to go on to an adventure and write a new narrative uh, that is meaningful for themselves, can relate to the organization that they're working with, but also has meaning for the organization and uh, hopefully also um, uh, yeah, the world, the, the greater good. Yeah. Thank you. I am going to consume marinate all the insights because my my mind is blowing after having this this talk even after yesterday i'm still processing yesterday's conversation and then on top of this this i know that the people that are watching this episode and if you're watching this live or if you're watching the replay all my guests have shared so many insights for you to move the needle you don't have to wait until there is a policy you can start you know start your self leadership action now so do something that you can do within the upcoming three months. I want to leave you with a challenge, with an action. So listen back or watch this episode back and really find an action where you can do something to move the needle and to make space for DEI. So thank you, Garrett. Thank you, Chantel. Thank you, Ruben. Thank you, Mike, for this amazing show. And also know that... Um, Yes, you can watch, you can watch, you can listen, you can also listen it on a podcast or while you're driving or while you're cleaning your house, whatever you're doing, or even during your walk, you can listen to Let's Humanize the Workplace. So thank you for watching this episode. I'll be back next week where I'm going to be talking to different guest speakers about who moved the cheese or who moved the bacon. That will be amazing. So thank you till, thank you and until next week. Bye.